I am so happy to have you with us this week for a terrific conversation with a dear friend of mine, Liddy Shively, who is a coach, an author. She's sharing her insights from her deep book of experience, her own life journey. People have always come to Liddy seeking her wisdom, her clarity, and she drops a lot of that with us here on the show. Can't wait for you to listen in. So glad you're here. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am so very happy to have you with us this week for a very special conversation with a dear friend of mine, Liddy Shively. Let me tell you a little bit about Liddy before we dive in. And I know before the time we're done, you're going to love her as much as I do. Liddy is an author and coach who focuses on guiding clients to resolve inner conflicts to build better relationships with themselves. With years of experience, she is highly skilled at identifying the root causes of these conflicts so that people can experience less stress and more joy. Liddy Shively, thank you so much for making time to join us on the show. Thank you, Susie. I'm really excited to be here. And you and I have gotten to know each other better and better over these last few years. We met in this online space. We've shared some classes and programs and masterminds together. And I'm always inspired by the wisdom that you bring. And to hear your story, which is a long and winding one, not altogether unlike my own. So another thing that we have in common. But I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you started to notice this wisdom or this skill that you have in supporting people in this way and in, in looking a little more deeply within themselves? I would say that I became really aware of it when my ex-husband used to get really annoyed that people would come up to me no matter where we were and start asking me questions. And then I would ask them questions and talk to them and they'd be like oh okay thank you so much and then he would ask me so who was that and I was I don't know I never saw him before and he used to get really frustrated because people would come to me randomly when I was in college I was sitting outside under the tree looking at my notes before I went into class and this woman came up to me actually she was a teenager and she asked me can I ask you a question and I'm like sure and she goes I just found out I'm pregnant and my boyfriend thinks we should get married and I don't know what to do. And I asked her, tell me a little bit about your boyfriend. And she goes, oh, he's really immature and he makes me crazy. And if I married him, it would be like raising two kids at once. And I'm like, okay, do you love him? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, all right, let's talk about having a baby. How do you feel about having a baby? I said, when my kids were younger, I told them I have three choices. You can have the baby, keep the baby. You can have the baby, adopt the baby, or you can have an abortion. Those are your three choices. I said, notice none of those includes mom taking care of your baby. Anyway, we talked back and forth for a while and she decided that she was going to keep the baby and she was going to get rid of the boyfriend. And then she tells me, 
thank you so much for telling me what to do. And I smiled at her and I said, I did not tell you what to do. I just asked you enough questions so you could know what's right for you. And the moral of that story is, I don't believe that I can tell you what you should do. I can only help you see what's right for you. And I think that the real gift and skill comes from knowing the right questions. Coaches, of course, get to hone this skill, but to come to it naturally, to just be inclined to, to see the root of the issue and to realize that people think they're looking for answers, but they rarely like the answers that they're given. So to help lead someone to that answer is such a more empowering process. One of the things is so many people, they're looking for the answer to this question, but they really need to answer these questions down here, those things that are hidden inside of themselves so right. that they can, so that the answers that they're getting up here actually makes sense. And I'm so grateful that as you came on the show today, and as I was talking about in the bio already, you recognize that correlation between resistance and feeling stuck, feeling confused, and how that starts to ratchet up the stress. How do you see that leading to, or what are some other causes where people are experiencing stress? Okay. The things that to me that cause stress, inner conflict, people pleasing, <laughs> hidden stories. Oh, guilt and shame, societal conditioning. And and what do you mean by, because that's a really interesting topic there, that societal conditioning. What do you mean by that? Okay. Let's start really broad and then narrow it down. The broadest societal conditioning is media, be it social media, print media, whatever. Okay. That's the broadest. The next, is, I would say, if you're mature in, in the work, then it's your work society. But if you're younger, it's the educational system. And if you're younger yet, then it's the parents and it's the siblings and it's the friends. It's the just that whole cohort. And the education system, for sure, teaches you to fit in, not to stand out, to always be right, and to not take any risks. And all of those things keep you stuck and then they cause you stress because it's that inner push-pull of what you want versus what you should do. Yes. And you mentioned the educational system. And I think certainly um, it comes up a lot in families too. I think that a lot of us, as we do more inner work and become more aware, we start to recognize the generational patterns. And certainly that's a sort of conditioning that sometimes holds us back. Good girls don't do that sort of thing or, you know, wanting more money or that sort of thing. All of these things that are impressed upon us as we're growing up. So through education or families, I do think that's really insightful that societal conditioning is so deeply impactful. So when I used to work for the Everyone Reads program, there was this one girl who is really quite intelligent, but she had a reading difficulty. And she came into class one day and I was asking her some questions and she said, oh, I can't do that, I'm too stupid. And I looked at her and I said, you are not stupid. And she goes, yes, I am. Everybody tells me all the time. I said, who tells you that? And her family told her. 
and so sometimes the family dynamics are such that, oh, mom is the clean and tidy one, and dad is the working one, and big brother is the jock, and big sister is the beautiful one, and what's left? And so the little sister gets to be the stupid one. And I told her that in some families, you have to play your role so everybody feels comfortable. Mm. But you're 16 now and you're going to be 18 soon and you'll be able to move out. So you have to know for yourself that you're the smart one and you start practicing that when you're not at home. At home, you still have to fit in because that's your stability. And there's that whole tribal mentality. If you don't fit in, then you get rejected. But learn to be yourself for yourself when you're not having to conform to the conditioning that you're living under at the time. I think that's really helpful. And you can definitely see there how we end up with such levels of inner conflict. We've got these roles that we feel we have to play. We've got things we feel called or compelled to do. And so where do you see some different sources or causes for that inner conflict that it's important to recognize? Okay. Main sources of inner conflict, besides guilt and shame, we'll get to those Mm -hmm. in a minute, but is what you've been taught that you should do, what you've been taught that you shouldn't do. And sometimes those things are exactly the same. For example, when I was a small child, about seven, I was the oldest in a house that had about six or seven kids in it. And one day, some of the younger kids were doing something that they weren't supposed to do. And I went and told the adult that was home what they were doing. And I got spanked for being a tattletale. Three days later, all those little kids are tracing their hands on the wall with color crayons. And I didn't go tell anybody. And in walks a different adult and takes a look at what's happening and just wallops the tar out of me, even though I didn't do it because I was old enough to know better and I should have come to tell. And so for me, that was a really strong inner conflict that it didn't matter what I did. I was going to be wrong. And so I should not do anything. And I spent so many years hiding behind the wallpaper, trying to be invisible, not speaking up. Look at me now. (laughs) Thank goodness we can overcome those, right? Those patterns and deeply embedded. And frequently, the only thing that needs to overcome them is to be aware of them and realize that they don't serve you now. I think that's really, I think that's really significant. I really want people to take that in because so often we think knowing is half the battle, but how do we move through that? We have to overwrite that. We have to lay new habits and create new patterns. But I think that just taking in that awareness, that recognition can be such a big step hopefully will inspire people. I was at a luncheon for multi-level marketers a number of years ago, and this woman came up to me and she said, it doesn't matter what I do, I can't grow a group. She's tried, she starts listing them all off. And I looked at her and I said, oh, that one's usually pretty simple to solve. And she looks at me and she goes, really? And I said, yes. What did your parents tell you when you were a child? 
And she goes, what do you mean? And I said, you know, those things like stay away from the road, look both ways before you cross the street. And she goes, oh, and don't talk to strangers. I said, exactly. And how's that working for you now? And she, and I said, when you're, when you're a child, not talking to strangers is a protection mechanism. But when you're adult, not talking to strangers causes you to not be able to accomplish anything. And she messaged me about two weeks later that she had put four people in her group in the last two weeks. Yeah, just turning a light on it sometimes is Yeah, and, and realizing that, that thing, which was really protective when you were a child, is no longer serving you. And as soon as your head brain and your heart brain and your body brain get that idea, it's, oh, and, you, and if you watch Susie, she starts yawning whenever I cause her to have a shift. <laughs> it's that a whole alignment in yourself. And it's, oh, I don't need that anymore. Okay, I'm relaxed. Yes. You should have seen me, Liddy, when I was recording the interview about vagus nerve exercises. I was yawning through the entire thing because it's interesting. We do, we assign those kind of physiological reactions sometimes to just being tired or distracted or wanting to be somewhere else. But when we think about how energy changes and moves through us, we start to recognize some different and maybe surprising correlation. So yes, I do often accuse Liddy for making me yawn and it's never <laughs> anything less than flattering. She makes shift happen. <laughs> just makes me proud. <laughs> and so you, you mentioned too about guilt and shame. And I think those are some really sticky, some heavy issues. What can we start to do about those? Okay. Let's First, to clarify the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt mm. is about something that you have done or that you're not doing that you think you should do. Shame is about something somebody else told you that they didn't like about what you are. And you know what? Shame is somebody else's problem. It's not your problem. Except that we are so afraid of what's inside of us that we're ashamed of that we can't even look at it to know that it's there. So when you allow yourself to ask the questions and hear the voices in your head and see what they're saying, then that sometimes will help you uncover the shame and it definitely helps you to recognize guilt and fear. So let's go back to guilt. Other people wield guilt to cause you shame, but I believe that guilt is your tool for your use to take care of yourself. So see if I can clarify this. Susie, is there something that you're doing or not doing that you feel guilty about? <laughs> Most of the time, before we started recording, I was referencing my to-do lists that sit here next to me on my desk. <laughs> okay, so let's look at the to-do list. You feel guilty about not doing everything on the to-do list, right? Okay, so what if you were to go through that to-do list and say, these things are not important, not urgent, could be delegated to somebody else, and you cross them off the list? Therefore, you don't feel guilty about them, okay? When you recognize that the thing that you're feeling guilty about 
is something that you do not want to do and you are not going to do, then release the guilt. Don't mm -hmm. feel guilty about it. Okay, because that's somebody else's should that's been pushed onto your shoulders. And it may not be something, I mean, for me, oh, you have to make the bed every morning. The year that I did actually make my bed every day, except for one day, 364 days out of one year, when that year was finished, I'm like, the hell with this. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> so now I slap the cover up over it, looks decent enough, and I'm, and I'm gone. No need to feel guilty about it. So the thing about guilt is, if, they're, if you're feeling guilty because you did something, then that is guilt giving you a lesson to tell you, don't do that again. That's your personal inner guidance that's telling you, do not do that again. Okay? If you recognize it and you've learned that lesson, then let go of the guilt. On the other hand, if you did something and you're feeling guilty about it, but you know that if in the same situation you're going to do the exact same thing again, then you know that's aligned with you and that you believe that it's the correct thing and let go of the guilt. Same result. <laughs> right. So guilt is a tool to guide your processes and your actions, but it's not a tool to just beat yourself down with. When you do it, that's causing and creating shame. And you don't need, there is no reason for you to feel shame. Either you did something and it's done and you learned your lesson, or you didn't do something and you're not going to do it and you're aware of it, but there's no need to feel shamed. Hopefully that's really empowering for people to start to tease that apart because I think we often paint with a broad brush and yes. lumping those things together, taking on shame and feeling like it's something we're supposed to be guilty about definitely can hold us back in so many different areas. And how much stress does it cause you when you're underlying dealing with this guilt and this shame that doesn't need to be there when it when you release that unhelpful energy? How much more room do you have for helpful energy? And another thing that can be helpful is when you recognize that you've been feeling guilty about something and then you clear that guilt and you either learn your lesson or make your choice, allow yourself to recognize, wow, I just did this. Congratulations. I'm proud of myself. Pat yourself on the back. Celebrate your, your learning and your release because that will help you to internalize it. And then the next time something comes up, the process will be quicker. Yes, that's beautiful. Thank you for illustrating that. I think that's so important to really recognize the benefit of celebrating, right? Of those recognitions, of changing our way of being. And I say all the time, celebrate the small wins, but that's exactly why. Because we make that bookmark, it's easier to come back to, it's faster the next time because we've started to ingrain this habit of releasing the things that don't serve us. Also, your subconscious serves to get you what you want to help you be who you are. If you ask it good questions, it will serve up better answers. But once you start training it, oh, when I get into this situation, this is what I want to do, pretty soon it'll be doing it for you. You're not gonna have to use your head brain, your consciousness, when your body brain or your subconsciousness can just go, oh, we're in this situation, okay, done. 
it, it's amazing to me. Okay, so I have this trick. I read in a book, oh shoot, name escapes me right now, but that your subconscious only knows one entity and it's you. The subconscious thinks everything is you. So if you're going down the road, raging about all the other drivers, your subconscious thinks that it's you and that's who you are. Or for me, when I'm sitting here quietly stewing about my idiot neighbor, and I find myself saying, I'm so glad I have a brain and I know how to use it. I'm so glad I bought. That is my subconscious that I've been training that whenever I start thinking something negative about somebody else, to turn it around and say, I'm so glad that I, and, and believe me, there are times when I'm thinking, oh, I am so glad I have a brain and I know how to use it. And it's totally sarcastic because I just exhibited <laughs> that I wasn't. We're all fallible. But if you can learn from it and recognize it and move it around, then you can move forward. Yes, exactly. And that I think is such a powerful skill, that recognition and understanding that from that recognition, we have the power to do something different. Yes. Absolutely. And starting to recognize those stories, right? The way that we see things reflected back and the influence that our own stories have on us. How do we start to recognize those and utilize that kind of wisdom? Well, Susie, since you asked, I have a gift for your audience, and it is titled Silence Self-Doubt, Seven Positive Responses to Your Inner Voices. And what it does is it helps you learn to start listening to your inner voices and thinking about how you respond to them. And that creates awareness. And I think I have, I've seen this resource that you're sharing and I'm super excited. I hope that people will get that. If you start to recognize that there's a chorus in your head, these little voices like to chime in at difficult times. They like to berate you or hold you back or tell you this isn't for you or any number of things start to apply some of that shame to you when you're trying to grow and do different things. And it's such a helpful way to look at it. You know, we don't have to be adversarial. And I think that's something that people will really recognize quickly as they take a look through it. So how do you think that trying to mute or silence or go head to head against these inner voices or critics, how is that not helping us? Okay. So first of all, when you shove down and silence the voice inside of you, it gets louder and stronger. And when it decides to burst through, it's usually at an inopportune time and creates a situation that you would rather not have, okay? So always, whenever any of these little voices come up, remember that they've been there protecting you and taking care of you for a very long time. So as soon as you're aware of them and you allow them to have their say and you recognize and respond to them, a lot of times, they're happy and they go away. Now, sometimes they'll be deeply ingrained and they'll come back six or seven or 12 or 20 times. But if you listen to them, and sometimes you can say to the, mess to the voice inside of you, okay, I'm listening. What else do you want me to know? And a lot of times it'll, you'll be amazed, but you have to be quiet and you have to allow it. And 
sometimes what it has to say seems totally irrelevant, but recognize that there's a connection. Do we have time for another quick story? Absolutely. So I was at a conference where the guy on stage was talking to a woman and he asked her, it was something about always being too late, not having enough, something like that. And anyway, he was asking her questions and all of a sudden she said ice cream and ice cream seemed totally unrelated to anything. And he asked her, what about the ice cream? And she goes, when I was a child, I could hear the ice cream coming and I would run inside and get a dime from my mom. But by the time I ran back outside, the ice cream truck had already gone around and was gone down onto the next street. And I never got the ice cream. You know what? She's an adult now. She carries her money with her and she can get ice cream whenever she wants. And But recognizing ice cream that seemed totally irrelevant to everything else, it brought it all into alignment so that she could see what she was doing and move forward again. Those aha moments, right? And sometimes so hidden in plain sight, but so insightful. Yes. That experience. Oh, I'm never going to get my ice cream or (laughs) close the deal, make the big sale, finish this project that's so important to me, like feeling like she's always falling short. And you can just start to see a pattern unwind as you look back. and, And when your subconscious is still holding that story, then it stops you. I was talking to a woman not too long ago. She's writing a book and she had a story that she wanted to put in the book, but she was worried about HIPAA compliance. Mm -hmm. And and as we were chatting, she goes, I said, when you think about writing that, what does it feel like? And she goes, you know how when when you're in a car accident and you slam into it and all of a sudden everything stops? And I said, yes. I said, were you in an accident? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, what happened? And she told me that something about the car smashed into her car and and she panicked and all that. And I said, okay, and what happened next? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, okay, what happened next? And she goes, I drove my car off the freeway and I looked it over and it was pretty much okay. And I'm like, okay, what happened next? And she goes, I went to class. And I'm like, okay. And I said, now, when you think about writing that story, how do you feel? And she goes, I feel fine. Because her body had memorized that feeling of this, you know, when you're coming up and it's right here, when you get there and your body freezes. If you don't tell your body that you that you survived and you moved on, part of you is always still stuck in that space. And just that awareness, that recognition, just starting to unwind, ask simple questions, Liddy's superpower, and say, then what happened? Things weren't so bad as they seemed in that moment that held so much potential that was truly terrifying. Right. But if you go, and then what happened? And then what happened? You let your subconscious know, you let that piece of your body know that you all survived and it's okay. And yes, I say you all because 
your body has all these different moments from when you were born to now. And each bit of those is like a different piece of your all. Yes. Yes. Honoring all of the parts of ourselves, the yes. younger part, the part that's afraid, the part that wants to be brave, all of those parts and aligning part those. Wants, the part that <laughs> wants to dictate. <laughs> it's in there. <laughs> yes, we all have a dictator. Right. The part that just wants a plan to be given to us so we don't have to try things that might not work. <laughs> oh, and as opposed to the dictator, there's always that rebelliousness too. It's, oh, let me see. You have a dictator and a rebeller? Internal conflict, anybody? <laughs> and so you also, I'm really excited about a project that you have been putting together for a while now. I was an advanced reader of your book. So I'm super excited about that coming to be available soon. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the book that they can be watching for? So the book is entitled Entrepreneur from the Inside Out, Your Inner Journey to Purpose, Power, and Prosperity. And it's basically a lot of what we just did in this interview, me telling stories and asking you what popped up for you and how it's affecting you and are you ready to let go of it? That's the book in a nutshell. And I love the way that you do, you create that journey. It's not a book to sit and read and consume and put back on the shelf and do nothing with. It's really a workbook, a guide to look into yourself and answer questions. Because just as we've been saying throughout our conversation, those moments of awareness stick with us. And in the very beginning of the book, it tells you, so if you've read this far, get a journal and a pen so that when the questions pop up or anything pops up for you, you can jot it down because your subconscious is always giving you these little hints to help you to be able to see more clearly what you want and where you want to go. Yes. So important to catch those because that subconscious, you know, inside those wisdoms, we have to capture them and develop that habit and skill as well. Get better at that. Oh yeah. Be aware. And the whole book is about helping you learn to be more aware of your true self and to like yourself better. There is a lot in you that's worth loving. A lot. And that is something that you are just a wizard at reflecting back to people. So that's why I always love spending time with you, Liddy. <laughs> that's because I love you. <laughs> it's a few years back, I developed a mantra for myself, I am love. People ask me, who are you? And it's, oh yeah, we have the habit of saying who we are, our name, or who we are, what we do, or who we are, you know, what we've been. Like, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, I'm a student, I'm a teacher, I'm a coach, whatever. But those are all external things that we've done. It's not who we are. And I decided, that I am love and love goes out into the world and brings joy and love goes out into the world and helps others and love goes out into the world and uplifts. And so if I am love, then that's what I do. And love goes out and loves. Mm, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful mission. I would say you, you definitely fulfill that and move that forward and radiate that. I'm 
getting better as I progress. Yes. (laughs) As we all do, right? As we all do. We, as we start to refine that vision of what we truly want, of what we want to embody, of what we want to create, of what we want to realize and bring into our lives, it is always a journey, right? It's not the destination. And joy is what surrounds the journey if you allow it. Thank you for that. I was going to ask if you had anything to leave us with, and I would love to explore that a little bit more. How do you see people not allowing joy? Oh, most of them are so busy stuck in their shoulds and their guilt and their shame they that they're shoving joy away. And if anything happens that makes them feel momentarily happy, then they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so... Another thing is, to me, happiness comes from the outside and it's caused by external events. But joy is inside and it's something that you choose. And you can wake up in the morning and you can be tired and all the rest of that stuff and you can choose to be joyful. I wake up in the morning and I am so glad that I am still alive. I am so joyful that the sun has come up again. I am joyful that I have fresh air to breathe and clean water. Maybe I don't have a bathtub, okay? I still have a shower. I would be more joyful if I had a bathtub. (laughs) We can hold space for more joy. (laughs) Yes. And and anybody who's wondering, that's been a running joke for as long as I've known Susie, that I live in a place that only has a shower and I would really like a bathtub. And I think what you're saying there, and obviously joining me on a show called Happified, I'm not ignorant to the fact that happiness is triggering for a lot of people and a lot of people feel it's not attainable for them or it shouldn't be a priority. There's a whole bunch that goes along with that word happiness. And so I love to hear how you define it, that happiness can come from external experiences, whereas joy is innate. And sometimes I offer people think about how they want to quantify it. Is it the state of being happy or is contentment and peace something that is just as fulfilling and desirable as this picture of happiness that sometimes has become so loaded for us. So I read recently, I'm going to see if I can try to get it, something about would you prefer to strive for satisfaction or strive for success? And often when you're striving for success, you're thinking it's going to get you satisfaction Whereas if you just strive for satisfaction in the first place. So I know we were talking about happiness and joy. So let's think about it. Would you rather strive for happiness and maybe settle for contentment? Or would you rather be off over here fulfilling your self-prophecy of misery? Because you know what? You weren't created to be miserable. You were created to expand the leading edge of wisdom and knowledge and experience. And if you're here to expand experience, expand joy, uplift the whole world. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
there's so much, there's, <laughs> that can be a whole nother conversation for us to dive into. Where we put our attention, what we choose to cultivate is so important. And it's easy to look around at the stories the media are selling us and be afraid and be convinced there is no hope. And if we look for hope and if we decide to maybe be sources of hope for other people, Think about how we can create that shift. We can start to uplift each other. We can raise the energy. That is exactly the medicine that the world needs right now. So that's yeah. a beautiful alliteration there that you made. Thank you. Focus on that which you desire because what you focus on expands. If you focus on misery, if you focus on the war on whatever it is that they're having a war on right now. Back when I was a kid, it was the war on, now that was when I was a little bit older. Anyway, the war on drugs, it didn't cause drugs to go away. It caused all that problem to expand. Focus on what you desire. Focus on how you want the world to be. So peace, joy, love, happiness. Satisfaction. That's another yes. great one to add to the list. Yes. Beautiful. I will have the link for Liddy's amazing gift, Silent Self-Doubt, Seven Positive Responses to Your Inner Voices. I'll have that in the show notes so you can get that resource for yourself. You can start to engage in that helpful conversation. And then you'll be sure to get updates as Liddy's book approaches publication. And I will be sharing that as well. So keep on watching on my channels too. Liddy, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a joy to talk to you. Now that I know that's your mission, I shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes we have self-revelations when we're speaking to others. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I always love the time that we share. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Liddy. So much love to you. And right back at you. I'm the mirror. <laughs> Take good care of yourself. Thank you. You too. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.